What's up, everyone, and welcome into episode number 240, where I have quite a bit to talk about. We got Michigan State losing at a buzzer beater by Ohio State at home. We also got Michigan losing to Purdue. We have quite a bit of Lions news, and then lastly, we will get to the Red Hat Red Wings and Patrick Kane. But let's get started out with the basketball games. You got Michigan State against Ohio State. This is Michigan State's second consecutive loss at home. They lost to Iowa last week. They lost to Ohio State this week in a game that, again, they were projected to win by about 10 points in a game that they kind of really needed. Now, not saying that Michigan State is not going to make the tournament. I don't think Michigan State is there yet, but they really needed this win, especially after dropping a game at home where Iowa looked almost like the better team for the majority of the game. They really needed this win. They did not get this win. And a lot of this has to go towards Tom Izzo. I thought Michigan State, while they didn't have Jane Aikens and Tyson Walker hitting shots throughout this game, I thought the lineups and the substitutions were one of the main reasons why Michigan State lost this game. Not the main reason. Again, I think Tyson Walker and Jane Aikens didn't play great in this game. But at one point, you were up by 10 or 12 with about 10 minutes left to go in the game. Michigan State was playing pretty well at this point, especially when Xavier Booker was in this game. And this is really where I want to kind of start this conversation is Xavier Booker, this was his first start at Michigan State. He played over 15 minutes. He and the offense honestly looked the best that they have all year for a majority of it. Maybe not like the Baylor game. Baylor game, the offense is probably the best it's ever looked. I think that had a lot to do with the guards making a bunch of their three-point opportunities. But I thought this game, Xavier Booker and this offense, when they were going and when he was in, they looked extremely efficient. He played a whole lot in that first half. He came out, started in the second half, played for about five minutes, and then he ended up sitting for the rest of the game for the last 15 minutes. Late Michigan State goes to Madison Soko. Ohio State kind of starts to narrow that lead down little by little. They have an opportunity at the end. Roddy Gale hits the three-point shot, and Ohio State wins at three at the Breslin Center for another game that Michigan State, again, should have lost. But there are several things in this game that I think Michigan State lost because of. And one of those things that I've already said, the lineups. I thought the lineups weren't really great. I didn't know why Michigan State didn't go to Xavier Booker in those last 15 minutes. If Michigan State went to him for like five of those minutes, I think Michigan State wins this game pretty handily. Xavier Booker was giving Ohio State issues on offense. Defense, they were a little bit lapses here and there, but he also had a couple blacks as well, and this is the most comfortable that he's looked at Michigan State. I think a lot of fans were really excited to see how Xavier Booker played in this game, and I think there's a lot of good things to take away from this game outside of, again, you losing to Ohio State. But Xavier Booker, this was by far the best he's looked at Michigan State, and Tom Izzo really needed to go to him more often, and he didn't in the second half. And today he defended that decision. Seems like kind of they're on the same idea like they like understand what is going on 
that doesn't mean that Xavier Booker shouldn't play more, especially during kind of that crunch time where Mani Sissoko, again, didn't play bad. But if you have Xavier Booker in that game, I know there's a little bit more of like a lower floor maybe, and that might be a little kind of mean saying, but Mani Sissoko should not be in that game at that moment. He played all right. Like, he played for all right for Mani Sissoko, but he's just not the guy you want in there for the last eight minutes, and he was. And I didn't understand that decision. I think a lot of Michigan State fans didn't understand that decision. A lot of Michigan State fans blame Tom Izzo for this loss, and I think that is a very accurate blame, in my opinion. I think a lot of this has to go on Coach Izzo. I think a lot of this has to go on the coaching staff. And again, it kind of goes back to lineups. Like at one point you had Madison Soko, I believe maybe Jackson Kohler, or it might have been Jackson Kohler, Carson Cooper, and Cohen Carr in the lineup at once. So you had two big men and Cohen Carr. That should never, ever be a lineup for this team. Because that's giving Michigan State basically a two-on-five on offense. Now, I know what Cohen Carr can do. He can do great things. He can do exciting things on offense. But guess what? He can't shoot right now. He's not a great shooter. And when you don't have big men, besides maybe Xavier Booker, that can go and get you points consistently, I know Jackson Kohler can do that sometimes, but he hasn't done that this year. You cannot have a lineup with those three in the game at a single time. You have to have specific lineups that you play them together. If you're going to play Cohen Carr, you should probably have Xavier Booker in the game. If you're going to play Jackson Kohler, you could have Xavier Booker in the game. You can't go a two-big lineup. And even former Michigan head coach basketball, John Beeline, even said that, that sometimes you can be too big in a game. And Michigan State was definitely too big in this game. They've gone too big several times in the past. I understand that rebounding has been an issue for Michigan State, not only this year, but the last couple of years. But even when you have those guys in, there's still a decent difference between rebounds. Like Ohio State out-rebounded Michigan State. At that point, I believe when they went into a two-big lineup, there was still a nine-rebound difference, but you're still up by eight to ten points. If you do that, you better hope that maybe one of these big men score. You better hope that Tyson Walker, Jane Aikens is going that game. And guess what? They weren't. And I'm not putting this game exactly and specifically on those two because, again, they didn't shoot the ball well. They, The players probably deserve some reason for losing this game, but I think a lot of it has to do with the coaching decision. And this is one of the, probably the first games, and I know some people might disagree with me on this, but this is one of those first games that I think you can specifically point to that said that Michigan State lost because of specific decisions that Tom Izzo made. At least this year, I think there's some arguments to that. I do think if you have Jeremy Fears in this game, I do think there's a little bit of difference. I think Jeremy Fears being out is a bigger deal than a lot of people think and believe it is, but you just can't go with a two-big lineup. You can't go with three guys on the court that really can't shoot the ball, especially when you're having a night that 
Jalen Aikens and Tyson Walker had. I just think this was a very big blown opportunity for Michigan State. I think if you win this game, you probably maybe have to win one more at least next three inch, depending on what happens on Saturday. We'll talk about that game later on this week, but depending on what happens on Saturday, you might need another one as well. So Michigan State really let a game escape that they should have won. And I think they should have won pretty easily, especially for a team that is in the situation that Ohio State is in. But you got to give credit to Ohio State. Um, Their interim coach has done very well um, since Holtman's been fired. They did lose to Minnesota decently at Minnesota, but it seems like Minnesota is pretty decent this year. But, yeah, this is just one of those games that you could not afford to lose. It hurts to lose, especially losing two games that you were pretty big favorites in. So now you have to go into the House of Horror at Mackey. Disappointing game, but Michigan State is in the situation that they are because of some coaching decisions, not addressing the center position. So, yeah, let's go on to the game between Purdue and Michigan. I thought Michigan played pretty decent in this game, especially late in this game. They started to go on a little bit of a run, and I believe they end up losing by less than 10 points in this game. At one point, Purdue was, I think, up like 15, 20. Um, They were looking really, really good, especially towards the end of the first half. But I think Michigan overall played pretty decent in this game. I thought they had a chance. At least they gave themselves a chance towards the end. Purdue is just really good. You are not really going to do very much against Zach Eady. I thought Terrace Reed did a pretty good job, or as good of a job as you can do on Zach Eady. You really just have to try your best, and I think that's what Michigan State's going to have to do. Michigan, I thought, did a decent job at that. It's just really tough going up against this Purdue team, and this Purdue team is just too much at times handling. Michigan realized that. Michigan faced that, and they ended up losing this game. They did not lose by more than they did at Mackey, though. It was definitely closer. I do think Doug McDaniel helped with that, but he also did not have Olivia and Kamwa. You also had a few players that did come back for this game as well, but I thought Michigan played pretty decent in this game, especially at home where they just don't have a ton of fans, and Purdue fans really showed up in this game, and I thought Michigan played pretty decent, especially for kind of how their season is going. But now let's go over to the Detroit Lions. We got some pretty big news now that the NFL Combine started today, but we'll talk about the Combine, we'll talk about the drafts when we get closer. But let's talk about the news that really happened. The three kind of big pieces of news. One is Jalen reeves Mabin signed a two-year deal, $7.5 million to stay with the Lions. I think this is a very good signing by the Lions. You're bringing back a guy that is an elite special teams player. There was the whole article and people saying he's the most expensive special teams player in history. This is like the best deal a special teams player has gotten, but he does more than special teams. He sometimes plays linebacker. When he played linebacker, he was really good. I think this is a friendly deal for Jalen Reeves-Maven, and I think this is a deal that you would do 10 out of 10 times. I think you're getting a guy in Jalen Reeves-Maven that I think a lot of fans were not extremely thrilled when he first left. He comes back, you sign him to a two-year deal, you get him two more years, 
if anything, he's a great special teams player. He's a good leader, and I think this is a pretty good deal, especially for, again, the cap going up by about $30 million. So I don't really have any issue with this. He can go up to $8 million, so it's going to be about maybe $4 million a year, which isn't a ton of money in the NFL. So I don't think you can complain too much about this deal. I just think it's a really good deal, a good deal for Jalen Reeves, maybe a good deal for the Lions. And you bring back a player that fans really like and a player that really impacted during this seat past season, especially because you think about the Kansas City game. He was the guy that converted the fake punt. You also have, again, linebacker that can cover Again, I just think this is a team-friendly deal. I think this is a deal that Jalen Reeves may have been absolutely deserves, and he gets. So he's going to be in Detroit for a couple more years, which is really exciting. There was also released today kind of two big pieces of news. Amon Ross St. Brown and his agent will be meeting with the Lions probably at the Combine. That's a pretty big deal. Seems like the Lions are really trying to push for an extension with him. He absolutely deserves a extension rumor has it could be maybe 20 to 25 million i don't really have an issue with that he's just been dominant he's been really good ever since he's been with the lines you kind of need to pay him and you need to pay him before the other wide receivers get paid because you've got jamar chase is going to get paid a ton of money you got justin jefferson's going to get paid a ton of money you need to pay him before those guys get paid because guess what and I'm not comparing him exactly to those players. But once those guys get paid, that kind of sets the mark. And a lot of people are going to want to get paid a little bit more. So if you extend Amon Ross St. Brown for about 15 to $25 million, I don't really see it being a big deal. Especially because, again, you have a pretty young team and pretty team-friendly contracts going forward. But again, you're going to have to make some really big decisions. And the next big decision is going to be Jared Goff and Jordan Schultz out of the NFL said there's a real possibility, at least he thinks there's a real possibility, that Jared Goff could sign between anywhere between 40 to $45 million for four or five years. If you're the Lions you, and you, you talk to Jared Goff and he's willing to take this, I think you absolutely take the deal right now without blinking. I think this would be a great deal for Jared Goff. Jared Goff deserves to get paid. He deserves to be in Detroit. Detroit loves him, but I also think this is a pretty deal-friendly deal for this team. And I know some people are saying, well, that's 40 to $45 million. But let's look at the other quarterbacks that's getting paid about that. You have Dak Prescott's getting paid about that. You have Daniel Jones. Daniel Jones, for no reason, should get being paid that much, but he is. And then you're going to have, of course, you're going to have your Joe Burrow that's getting paid more. Patrick Mahomes is going to get paid more. Justin Herbert's going to get paid more. In about, again, in about a few years, when these contracts kind of go up a little bit, I believe Lamar Jefferson's getting paid about 46 as well. In a few years, when those contracts are up, they're going to be requesting 50, 55, 60 million. In a year that that cap increased by 50, by 30 million, and Jared Goff's making about 32 million right now. That's about an eight to ten million dollar increase for Jared Goff. I think that is a pretty team-friendly deal. And I think you instantly do that. I think it shows that Jared Goff is bought in full-time, but you're showing, hey, you know what? We want to pay you 
maybe not the top echelon of guys because I don't think you want to pay Jared Goff, Patrick Mahomes, or Joe Burrow money. But if you can pay them about what Dak Prescott is making, about kind of that range, maybe a, a little under what Patrick Mahomes, like a tier down, I think you would take that deal. And I think Jared Goff, if he does take that deal, that really shows how much he's bought in. I think that's kind of a Detroit City deal. Like, he wants to be here. If you're a quarterback in today's NFL and you've had the season that Jared Goff just did in the last couple of years, you led your team to the NFC Championship deal, and you're like, hey, I'm willing to only go up 8 to $10 million per year. I think that's pretty good. I think that's pretty kind of Jared Goff. I think that's Jared Goff basically saying, hey, I appreciate you guys. I still want to be able to build a team and keep a team around here. And some people might say, that's $45 million a year. And again, it's not official that this happened. This could be much more than that. It could be more like $50 million. Again, I hope it's not. I would be willing to pay Jared Goff that. But if it's more about the 40 to 45, I think you can be very thrilled about that. Because guess what? You're going to have players, again, that's going to come up that needs deals. You're going to have Sewell's going to need a deal soon. You're going to have Hutchinson that's going to need a deal soon. This team is going to get really expensive really quickly. And whenever you can have a guy take a team-friendly deal, a guy that's been very good for the last couple of years, that can extend him for three, four, five years, that can be your future quarterback that you can trust that has been there, that's getting there, that has pieces around it like Jared Goff does, I think you take that instantly. And if this is true of what Jordan Schultz said is a real possibility, I think that is a really good deal for the Lions and a deal that the Lions should do if that is something that actually happens. I do think an extension does get done. And if you can get, again, about that four-year, like, 180, 190 deal, I think that is pretty, pretty good. So let's go on to the last topic, and it is about the Red Hat Red Wings. They are on a six-game win streak right now. They are in first place of the wild card. They're only, I believe, like four points back of the Maple Leafs, I believe. They're only like four points back of there. They're getting closer. They're really competitive. And it really starts with Patrick Kane and especially that game against the Chicago Blackhawks. That game was one of the coolest moments I've seen from a Red Wings game in a really long time. One of the coolest moments because it was Chris Chelios retiring of his jersey in Chicago, which he played longer in Detroit than he did in Chicago, but he's from Chicago. He has connections there. Makes sense. But he basically said that Patrick Kane is probably the best American-born hockey player ever, but do not ruin my night. And that is exactly what he did. He's a big reason why the Red Wings end up going and winning in overtime. He scored the game-winning goal in overtime. It was absolutely electric, especially with it being in Chicago. It was really fun seeing the Chicago fans celebrate with Patrick Kane. Even though that Patrick Kane is on the Red Wings now, you could really see how much that 
gold meant to him, his celebration. He got a lap around the ice. The fans were celebrating. Again, you don't really see these moments very much, especially when your rival has a player that played in Chicago for so long that you're celebrating. Again, the Chicago Blackhawks team is not really competing for anything right now. They're one of the worst teams in the NHL. They wanted to celebrate. They did. Patrick Kane, I don't want to say ruined the night, but just a great moment. And that start has just kept the Red Wings going. They've just been really fun to watch. Their offense has been great. Alex Lyon has been great in goal. James Reimer got a big win for the Red Wings not that long ago as well. They play tonight. They have an opportunity to make it seven straight against the New York Islanders. They can get it to seven. That would be huge. They just got to keep winning. They're up by, I believe, eight points with a few games in hand as well. I believe with about 23 games left to go in the NHL to get to a playoffs. This is a real opportunity that we go from the Lions to the Red Wings to the Red Wings possibly making the playoffs. And again, 23 games, decent amount of games left. But if you do make the playoffs, then there's a real possibility that the NFL draft is going to be in Detroit possibly during a time that the NHL playoffs are going on for an opportunity for the Red Wings to have a home playoff game during that kind of window, which would be absolutely nuts. But just been awesome watching kind of that transition from the Lions to the Red Wings, seeing all those fans there, seeing that excitement, seeing the fans in the LCA, seeing playoff hockey. This is Detroit hockey right now. This is why Detroit is the Motor City. This is why Detroit has some of the best fans in the NHL. Now, they did release a brand patch on their jersey today. A lot of people are not very happy about it, especially because the wing wheel jersey is the best jersey by far, in my opinion. I think a lot of people's opinion doesn't look horrible, could be a lot worse. I don't think it looks good, but it could be a, a lot worse. But we just can't let that take away from what these Red Wings have done recently. They've just been playing great hockey. Hopefully they continue to play great hockey, and it's really fun watching this Red Wings team and seeing the LCA packed almost every night. I think they've sold out seven straight games. I think eight might be going on tonight as well, that the game is just about to start. So, yeah. That is really it for a lot of the news kind of going on. You have Michigan playing Rutgers tonight. We'll talk about that game on the next podcast. I'll probably preview Michigan State against Purdue. And then after that, we got another interview coming out later this week as well. But both Michigan State and Michigan basketball loses. Lions get some good news, and Red Wings continue to stay hot. So hopefully they can continue to do that. But, yeah, that is a wrap to episode number 240. Thank you for tuning into the episode and please tune in to the next episode.